Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CC Airwaves. My name is Paige Matillo, and I'm here with my co-host, Joel Hansel. Today, we have a special guest. We have the program director and co-founder of What's Your Grief, Lisa Williams. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks so much for having me. So where are you located right now? So we're in Baltimore, Maryland. We're based in Baltimore. Okay. What's the weather like there right now? Um, the weather today, so we had a, a huge cold snap last week and it was freezing, but actually yesterday and today we're like back up to the high forties, which is better than last week. That's nice. <laughs> uh, it's been, it's been touch and go here. It's been either really warm or a lot of snow and it's just not been fun. We're in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, okay. So we have had no measurable snow all winter, which is really unusual for Baltimore. I actually just read that this is the first winter since the 1920s that there has been no measurable snow by this time. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Strange. That's crazy. So, Lisa, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Just maybe something fun about yourself or something you like to do in your spare time? Oh, sure. I, um, let's see things about me. So I love re renovating my house and other houses. I, okay. um, in yeah, in Baltimore, I own a few rental properties and spend a lot of my weekend time kind of doing project house projects. I don't know if that's fun, but I find it fun. Um, and, uh, other than that, I spend a lot. My partner lives in, uh, is Welsh and lives in the UK. So I, I spend a lot of my time. We're kind of both back and forth a lot. So, uh, I go to the UK a lot. Okay. That's fun. I, my boyfriend's actually really interested in renovating furniture. So I sometimes will give him my old furniture and be like, okay, can you make this pretty for me now? <laughs> That's great. Even better if you have somebody who can do it for you. <laughs> exactly. I want to learn, though. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, definitely. I love, I mean, just restoring old stuff. My house was built in 1825. It's like, uh, it's a really great old house. And I I really love sort of researching and restoring mm -hmm. those things. Yeah. Lisa, could you tell us a little bit about what's your grief? Sure. Um, what's your grief? We are in pr primarily online grief and bereavement support community. We were founded back in uh, 2012, early 2013, maybe somewhere around there. Um, we really started just as a, a blog. My co-founder and I, Eleanor Haley, we worked for an organization in Baltimore where we were supporting families who had lost loved ones to traumatic and unexpected deaths, usually uh, homicides, suicides, overdoses, and accidents and strokes primarily. And uh, in doing that work, we just found so many people who were not looking for support groups or therapy or journaling. Um, and honestly, we, Eleanor and I, both went through a lot of losses ourselves in um, teenage and early adult years. And though we are both mental health professionals, we didn't really like support groups and counseling either um, when we were going through our own losses. So we really founded What's Your Grief, kind of inspired by those two things as an online community to be able to help people understand all the other ways that you can cope with grief and you know, receive grief support other than just therapy and support groups, um, mm -hmm. creative outlets and psychoeducation. And then it really grew from there over the years um, from just being us writing a lot of articles to then being everything from online courses to private community for to support people online who are grieving. Um, we have a podcast and a book and we do a lot of creative initiatives. So it's a, a little bit of a lot of things. 
So I know that we talked a little bit about this over email, but would you mind sharing with our audience a little bit about your loss that inspired you to start What's Your Grief? Sure. Um, I always kind of tell people that maybe the, the reason I ended up working in grief is really because I, I think loss was a huge part of my life from a really early age. Um, my parents had a baby that was stillborn when I was four, and my parents were really up front about loss my entire life. And so in, I think, a wonderful way, my mom is Greek. And I think culturally, it's just a little different how people deal with grief, more open to it and um, really view it as more of an ongoing thing. So I think that was always um, in, introduced to me really young. And um, I went through some other losses in childhood, but then ultimately probably the most significant was then when I was 18, my dad died. And that really shaped a, a lot of where I felt like I was going in my life from there. Not that I necessarily wanted to work in grief at that time. I definitely didn't. Um, but it certainly shaped the way I saw the world and a lot of my feelings about uh, how I wanted to spend my time. And I just had a big impact on me then. Um, and so from there, my sister was only 12 when my dad died. And really soon after my dad's death, she de developed a really severe opiate addiction. And that really became, I mean, overwhelmed my family for a lot of years. And her partner, who was such an incredible person and like a member of our family, um, he died of an overdose when I was 26. And that was really interesting to see the difference in the grief support. I mean, this was really before people were talking about the opioid epidemic and it was a very different time. Um, and it was just so interesting to see the difference in the kind of support that you get when you lose somebody to an addiction and an overdose versus losing someone um, you know, to an illness or a less stigmatized death. And so all of those things, I think in a lot of ways, um, shaped shaped what's your grief we were we have a big focus on addiction and overdose and understanding the grief um that happens when people are still alive and like when you are living with a family member with an addiction so all of that kind of personal loss really comes into what's your grief and how did you and eleanor meet yeah so we were working at an organization that um is called the living legacy foundation and they per in that role we were working in their family support uh, department, I guess that's what you would call it. Yes. Family support department. We're working with families at the time of their loved ones, sort of traumatic and unexpected death in the hospital. And then we were working with them for two years after their loved one's death. So we saw this huge range from literally the moment that people would find out that their family member had died all the way through to two years and sometimes even beyond if families wanted more support. Um, and at that time, Eleanor had uh, just lost her mom a couple of years before while she was pregnant with her first child. And so, you know, we really connected certainly about what we were doing professionally and working with folks, but also personally in our own grief. And, you know, she had just recently been through losing a parent. And so we connected about that and some of the challenges we found in the grief support space. So, um, yeah, but the, the rest is history. So you started out as a blog and I heard you mention, um, you have a podcast and that you offer classes. What other types of resources do you offer to those who are grieving? Yeah. So I think we, I, our, our articles, that's where I always direct people the, the most. And honestly, I think we've 
are in this society where people love like really short form content. And I think our heart lives in long form articles um, because they think in grief so often people get, you know, books and all this stuff when they first are grieving to try to figure out where, where to go to navigate things. And people are just so overwhelmed. And usually I think articles is this space where we felt like it's a place where you can give people enough information without overwhelming people. It's not like 10 Instagram slides or a TikTok, but it's, yeah. um, it's enough without being too much. Um, so that's really, I think, where we still to this day, I don't I, I will continue no matter where the internet goes to be writing long form articles. Um, and that I think is our, our what we love the most. That said, we do a lot of other things. We offer um, online courses that are self-paced courses, but then we also do live, live interactive webinars for people who are grieving that are really trying to introduce people to all different ways of coping. A lot of that is in the creative space. So we have um, a couple of different, like we of photography initiatives, both Eleanor and I use photography uh, in our own grief. And we've done a lot of work with people using photography. And so we have an online course with that. We do, people can submit their photo grief, uh, you know, submissions through our website. We run a site called Grief in Six Words, where people can share their six word stories about grief, which really ties into a lot of the work we do with writing and journaling. We have an online course um, there's a guided journaling course to help people who are like, I feel like I should write, but I don't even know where to start um, to give a little bit of structure to things like that. Uh, we off offer continuing education courses for therapists and social workers and counselors and, and chaplains, um, funeral directors, anybody who wants to learn more about grief. And we find that so many people who come to that, you know, come because they didn't receive any formal education in their training. You can go through a master's PhD program in mental health and never get any training on grief. So it became really important to us that to reach people indirectly, that we were doing a better job making sure professionals were educated about grief and loss. So we do that. And then we have um, a members community that uh, people can join where we do a lot of different grief support we offer in there, we offer webinars, but we also do some of the like just learning to live after loss. I think a lot of times people think grief is just like the emotional stuff when really it's just a, a lot of the life stuff as well. So in that community, we do things like a getting things done where every Sunday, like we just people who are grieving get online or like, what is the crap I couldn't keep up with this week, like getting my laundry done and being able to like make some meals and whatever. And everybody just talks about what they're going to do for the next few hours and go and do it on our own and sort of cheer each other on at the end. So trying to think of really listening to what we've heard over the years from ten, literally tens of thousands or probably more at this point, comments and feedback and everything that we get, and then trying to kind of create spaces to meet any of those needs. And where can, um, listeners go to find a lot of your resources yeah i mean we uh, what's your grief.com is our hub and we always think that that is sort of the the best place to start um and then we're on basically all the so most of the social media platforms at what's your grief um so if you're really somebody who just gets almost everything from social that's probably the best place but the website we always encourage people to start there and then I know you guys just meant, or you mentioned that you guys have a podcast. You and mm -hmm. Eleanor run it. It's called What's Your Grief. What do you guys talk about on there or what do you guys oh, do on there? 
That's a great question. We just uh, <laughs> we just talk about grief. And I always tell people, we get all these emails from people that are like, can I be a guest on your podcast? I'm like, oh, we don't have guests. Um, it's just <laughs> us talking about grief. Uh, and that is really what it is. And I think a lot of it is it's a space where it's kind of for us, things that are pressing that have come up where we have had questions. We had so many people on all the different platforms, but on, on Instagram, through the comments on our site. And though we both love writing, um, we do believe that there are a lot of people who love listening more than they love reading. And so a lot of times we will just kind of take questions we've had from people or topics that seem like they have been um, coming up a lot lately and just be able to, to talk about them. And I think for people who are listeners, um, I think just being able to have people who have a mental health background, who are kind of grief experts, but who are trying to answer the questions of day-to-day -day living after a loss, that that has seemed helpful. We are, um, yeah, we, we, we don't have a great structure, but that's, that's how we, that's how we roll. Do you enjoy hosting the podcast? Oh, yeah. I mean, we we love it. We've started that. I mean, our podcast has been very on and off over the years. I always warn mm -hmm. people, if you like want somebody that's going to consistently be there, we're not those people. Um, but we started recording in 2014, beginning of 2014, okay. before Serial. That's how I always, I feel like that's like the before and after of the podcasting world, um, before Serial was out there. So there was very little in the podcasting space when it came to grief then. Um, and we've always come back to it over the years. We've taken, you know, we've taken a break. And we've stopped recording for a year and then we'll come back and start doing it again because I think it's something where we'll there'll just be some topic or something comes up and we're suddenly like oh if we were still recording the podcast this would be perfect to talk about mm -hmm. and then we're like but let's just start recording again so <laughs> that's kind of what we've done and it's really uh, I think showed us that there's there are things that really lend themselves to just this format of being able to just talk with folks um, more so than some of the other things that we do. I love that. Where can people listen to your podcast? Oh, it's, you know, all the podcast places. <laughs> um, it <laughs> is on, you know, Spotify and iTunes and the Amazon and um, all the main places, a Stitcher um, yeah. and all those places. Um, and then if you go to our website, you can find the podcast on there and listen directly in your browser if you're not somebody who likes to uh, listen on a podcast app. What is one misconception about grief that you hear people say? Oh God, there's there's so many misconceptions about grief. Um, I think probably the I think if there was the the one that I could, yeah, the the I'm like, oh, which one would I really get rid of first? But I think probably the the biggest one I would get rid of is. Um, the idea that we grieve in stages, I think, you know, kind of putting to bed that though Elizabeth Kubler-Ross did many wonderful things. And then when it comes to terminal illness and dying, that there's so much great stuff in, um, in her work, but that then this effort to apply it to grief is something that really we've learned over the years is it doesn't reflect how most people grieve. And there are people who certainly re resonate with the five stages, um, but for most people, and what some of the research shows is that believing that we grieve in stages actually makes grief harder for people who then compare themselves to those stages and feel like, wait, I'm not grieving right. I'm feeling all these things that aren't in the stages, or I'm not feeling these things that are included in the stages. Um, and so I think, you know, if 
if we could just help people to understand that grief theory has come a long, long way since then, and that um, most modern grief theory really understands that grief is an ongoing process that is incredibly unique to each person, that there are so many factors about your personality, your relationship with the person who died, your type type of coping that you like to engage in, the other stressors going on in your life, the other losses you've had in the past, like there's all these things that come into it and that affect the way we grieve. And to be able to help people to just be a little bit more open and, and self-compassionate about how grief unfolds rather than comparing themselves to either the five stages or to someone else, you know, comparing themselves to another person who's going through that same loss and thinking, why am I not grieving the same way? as they are, or as well as they are, you know, it's because we all do it differently. And you guys wrote a book. How's that doing? It just came out in the fall. It did. It just came out in the fall. We never planned to write a book, but, um, somebody, I, uh, yeah, I, I, we never planned to write a book and publishers had asked us because we'd written so much online over the years and we'd always said no. And then a publisher approached us during COVID and like during like COVID lockdown. And we were sort of like, well, if not now, then when? So we just said, why, why not? Um, and it's been great. It's been really interesting. Um, I think I don't, I don't know that I'd do it again, but I think that for some people we, really wanted to not just write a book for the sake of writing a book. And for some people, there are all these grief books that are out there, but they felt dense or overwhelming or just like too much. And our book, it really kind of takes its cues from the website. It is written in list format. You can start anywhere. You can bounce around. You can pick it up and, you know, read three pages and put it down. And we really intended it to be a book that was designed for, I think, the, the grief brain that a lot of people deal with in early loss. And that also really covers things that are um, that the deep emotional things that are hard about grief. I think a lot of times the books that are a little bit lighter and more accessible are sometimes just like cute ideas of how to memorialize your loved one, which are amazing, but they don't get into the like, oh my God, if I am in a pit of guilt, despair, and I can't figure out how to pull myself out of the guilt and regret that I'm feeling or the shame and um, self-blame, you know, it makes it really hard to get to that place of how am I going to memorialize and celebrate my loved one when every time I think about them, I'm just riddled with guilt. And so we really wanted something that was both accessible, but that was also dealing with the real stuff of, of grief um, that would help people to be in a, a better place to do some of that other remembering and connecting to their loved one's memory and keeping that bond, continued bond with their loved one going. And anyone interested in that book, you can get it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, anywhere you get your your books. So some of us still like books in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love my best my best friend owns the largest independent bookstore here in Baltimore. So wow. I love I love books. And I would also say you can also find it at your local independent bookstore, most likely, or they can order it for you. <laughs> So I have a question that I didn't actually send to you, but my friend recently lost her father and it 
it was very tragic, very sudden, and she has been struggling with her grief for the last couple months. And I know you mentioned earlier that you had lost your father at 18. I was curious what advice you would give to her as someone who has gone through this before. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's such a hard question because there's so many, you know, un- unknowns. I think one of the things that I say to everybody is to definitely, of course, consider getting support if you feel like you're struggling with it. And th- at the same time, we know that most people adjust fine after loss without professional support. But like, there's no threshold you need to meet. I think sometimes people are like, I don't know, is my grief really bad enough that I need to talk to somebody or get some sort of support? You know, I always say talking to someone never hurts. And if you're, especially if it's something that is unexpected or there was any sort of um, traumatic component, like I said, that's really where Eleanor and I started our work. Talking to people can be especially important because in grief support, so many of the ideas that exist are about how we memorialize and stay connected. And, but when we're dealing with sometimes the overwhelming traumatic incidents around a death itself or a death being unexpected and trying to process that, it becomes so hard to access some of the other like wonderful things in the grief support space. So I think that piece can always be really helpful. I think the other thing I would always tell people is to not think that your connection to your loved one just lives in the past, but to realize that it continues to exist in in the world now. I think when my dad died, I thought, you know, everything, it was like this box, a memorial box of things. I'd be able to like go back to my memories and like open the box and look at the memories, but there would never be anything new. And I think I, one of the things I've certainly learned in grief is how untrue that is. I think I, I look at, I remember the first time um, I had this like really specific feeling about how much my dad still existed in the world, even when he was gone, when I, it was an early in the craft microbrew beer movement, like when those were just taking off. And I walked into this uh, into this store and they had like an entire aisle that was just like filled with all of these microbrew beers. And my dad was a huge beer drinker, but he, uh, in the days where there were like six types of beer available. And I, I was like standing in this aisle and I was like, Oh my God, my dad would have loved this so much. Like he just would like, he would have loved this so much. And to me, who was at that time, not a beer drinker really at all. I was like, Oh, like I'm excited about this because of him. And I think from then on, I just was so aware of like how many of the places that I wanted to travel and things that I wanted to do. And just the way that I don't know, I exist in the world were shaped through that lens of my connection that continued with him. And so I think that for me, was a huge comfort in my grief was realizing that it's not just this thing in the past. It's this, um, those the relationships we have with people who are gone, they continue just in a really different way after someone's died. Thank you. I think that's beautiful advice. And I'm definitely going to center this podcast when it is, you know, recorded and posted. So that way she can hear it as well. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> 
Well, I think that is all we had for you today. So thank you so much for joining us, Lisa. It was a real pleasure having you and learning more about What's Your Grief. I know I told you earlier, but our bereavement coordinator uses What's Your Grief all the time in her bereavement e-newsletters. And I find myself on your website a lot when I'm looking for more information about certain topics. So for example, the, in the next couple of weeks, uh, Valentine's Day is coming up and Valentine's Day and grief is very relevant right now. So I was kind of looking for inspiration there as well. <laughs> oh, well, good. Well, I might, I, tomorrow I should be publishing a new article on that very topic. So you will uh, see something <laughs> new added um, just this week. Well, that is great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to CC Airwaves, the official podcast of the Catholic Cemeteries Association. Our podcast is released every other week on Thursdays. If you are struggling with grief, we offer free in-person and virtual grief support groups. For more information, visit our website or check the description. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at CC Airwaves.